Hello everybody and welcome to another tale podcast. Today I am joined by the creator of the Wispin species, uh, Mint. Hello. Uh, today on another tale we are going to talk about uh, closed species, open species, um, mostly the Wispins in general uh, and how Mint went about creating them. So, first things first, uh, recently the Wispins did go through a slight name change. They were formerly known as Wisps. Uh, they got changed to Wispins due to, due to some confusion. Uh, do you want to elaborate on that a little bit, Mint? So, originally, when I had created the name, well, it wasn't really created. I had drawn inspiration from actual folklore. Um, the... When I was making them, I had done a lot of folklore uh, research, and upon making the species themselves, they were also called wisps. And that was just something that I drew inspiration from. It was just kind of one of those things where I was like, oh, well, maybe I could build upon it more and make it my own thing. And upon, <laughs> upon elaboration, a lot of people had a lot of confusion thinking that they were specifically, you know, wisps that were just taken straight from folklore and from Scottish folklore and uh, Gaelic and all of that. And eventually I changed it to wispins, making it, you know, my own creation, my own species for my own world. All right. Um, how did you choose the name uh, Wispins or Wisps. I know you mentioned uh, folklore for the Wisps. What made you decide on Wispins? So um, originally we were going to go for Whispers or Whisperers. And for my species, it just didn't quite click. So when I decided upon Wispins, it just kind of had a bit more of a fantasy feel to it. So I just kind of decided to roll with that. I, it, it was just kind of cuter for me. <laughs> all right, all right, fair enough. Uh, so what? Uh, what is a wispin? What what makes them what they are? So a wispin is a creature of mythological creation that helps guard the forest. They help protect the forest and help you know protect and raise the creatures within it. Um, when I was originally creating the wispins. I had this fantasy and this little storyboard that I had been making along in my head. And originally they weren't even called Wispins or weren't even this special species that I had made. They were a completely different species and they were originally going to be an underwater creature. And <laughs> they were originally called scales, just plain scales. And it was honestly just a bad concept. So I decided to build up further on that to where they had a reason why they were there. They had their own universe and stuff along those lines. All right. Good to know. I, I actually did not know that they were originally a water dwelling creature. <laughs> yeah. Kind of similar to salamanders and uh, the oxalotls. I know from your recent uh, adventures at MCFC, a lot of people, drew inspiration and knew a little bit about that from the axolotl antennas <laughs> yeah yeah definitely when we were roaming around uh 
MCFC, a lot of people were like, oh, are you an axolotl? No, I, I can understand it because the six antenna, the short muzzle, yeah. it kind of looks the same. And people are going to want to associate something brand new with something they already know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the design? Where, What uh, did you get uh, inspiration for the design from? So, yeah, the design, when I was going along creating these species i had a pretty big big inspiration from kangaroo mice and moths and i kind of have a little bit of an obsession with moths <laughs> i don't know why but when i created my original character melon she was a moth and lizard hybrid and when i was just drawing her original design a lot of inspiration came from that and then I just decided to build upon that. And really, the Wispins have a little bit of inspiration from multiple different species. You know, the antenna, the fluffiness comes from the moths. The amounts kind of come from oxalotls. And their tails in specific come along from kangaroos and kangaroo mice. Because a lot of kangaroo mice, they have a little bit of an ambidextrous tail. They can use it to grab stuff. They can use it to pick up sticks and stuff like that, but not very, you know, not very much. And upon their design, when I was coming up with their canonical height, I was just like, you know, when I was coming up with their whole backstory, they kind of have a feel to them. And I didn't want them to be, you know, massive and super magical like a lot of other species I've seen. And there's nothing wrong with that. I love it a lot. It's just I wanted to make them a bit more unique in their own aspects. So I kept them to a canonical height of six inches. They're very tiny. <laughs> right, that, that is a bit small. Um, why, why did you choose such a small height? For that, is um, that because um, you used inspiration from like typically smaller creatures, or was it? just you wanted something small um so with a lot of species that i've seen they're always typically pretty big in canonical height you know five foot six foot some are even you know eight foot to 20 foot in height i just have always had this little thing even when i was a kid when i was going through my grandpa's little backyard he had a set of woods and i would always see you know a little mice running around on the ground and squirrels running up on trees and everything like that and they were just always the coolest part of the forest to me was the smaller creatures that you don't always typically see and when i was growing up i always had this kind of and and a lot of with my creatures in the world draws inspiration from my childhood (laughs) but you when you when you're in a forest you always see the bigger creatures first you never really think of you know the moths or the bugs or even just the little creep crawlies on the ground and i wanted to draw inspiration from that just so in this story and this world that i'm creating you can kind of think more along of it's the smaller things in this area that matter the most okay all right um so seeing as how they were kind of inspired from both a mammal and an insect are they considered one or the other or are they kind of in like a category of their own their own little fantasy not species oh oh, yeah so they are mammals 
Um, they go through the normal mating process. Um, they do have mammary glands and everything like that. And they are a bit of a vegetarian um, creature. They can eat meat and they do eat meat occasionally. When they eat meat, it's only <laughs> it's only in times of you know winter and changes, or even just in times of where it's not very you know easy to get the food that they need. And whenever they do eat meat, they have this whole you know prayer and everything, basically honoring the meat and the creature that they had to kill to eat it. Just basically, you know building upon the fact of there's a bit more to the world that you don't always okay all right so so mostly herbivores can eat meat sometimes only if they need to and they mm-hmm. they don't take it lightly it's definitely a big deal when they when they consume definitely. another living animal yes uh being so tiny what type of an animal would they eat so a lot of times the only other animals that they would eat are going to be animals that are similar in size or they'll even work together to hunt something that's a bit bigger in size. Um, in this world, there are different creatures that, again, draw inspiration off of real-life creatures. There are a lot of squirrel-like or even smaller rabbit-like creatures that they do hunt. And then, of course, they also eat the insects and... Um, a lot of fauna that are around insect size or similar in height to them. Okay. Okay. Um, so you mentioned earlier that they guard the forest, they protect uh, life in the forest. How did they go about doing that? So the Wispins, they have a bit of a magical appeal to them. Um, within the species, there are different, you know, subcultures, different little uh, flora and fauna within of the, the uh, wispins themselves they actually have different little uh, magical abilities per each sub ranking is what i've been calling them they come to change but um there are luminescent wisps there are uh, flora wisps different types of that you know healer wisps and guardian and each of these little sub ranks have a specific duty to withhold like the luminescent wisps they help guard the forest at night for all of the nocturnal creatures that are awake during the day and all of the you know normal ones that sleep during the night. Um, then we've got the guardian wisps. They help protect the forest as well as their species during the daytime. Um, let me pull up my document here. Should have probably opened this a minute ago, actually. That was my bad. <laughs> But within each of these ranks, they all have a specific duty to withhold. Um, Let's see here. So like the flora wisps, they help the forest bloom and prosper as they protect and nurture the flora and fauna of the forest. Um, A lot of the time there are different types of luminescent wisps that help with the flora. um, And they're kind of a sub-mixture. They also have like magical abilities to help bring the forest through different seasons, through harvesting seasons and more. We have the healer wisps. These help heal, nurture, and care for the forest and fauna's needs. They prominently care for the younglings while the hunters are out during the day to hunt or venture out to broaden out their expanse of the forest. 
they have magical abilities to help care uh, and heal for the fauna of the forest. Um, there's actually a little type of anatomy thing that I've built into the wisps. Since their tails are ambidextrous and they are also a very important part of the wisp, if there's ever a need, they can cut their tail off. <laughs> and these healers are actually able to help uh, grow the tails back. Similar to uh, to lizards. Okay, so yeah, similar to like a salamander or other fellow lizard. If they're in danger or they feel like they're threatened, they can detach their tail and kind of use that as a distraction. Mm-hmm. But they can only get it back with the aid of a, of a healer. Yes. Okay. That way it's not... I'm trying... When I was making these different types of sub-ranks and the actual creatures themselves, I didn't want them to be, you know, almighty and just super powerful. You know, everything that happens within this world has a reason. It's not, you know, they're just OP because they're OP, you know, Super Saiyan and shit. Um, they have reasons why, basically. Um, and expanding upon the extra little uh, ranks here. The Guardian Wisps help protect the forest and fauna from any type of threats that may affect the forest. They do have a larger physical and magical build than most, and they're actually much more agile and cunning in nature. And what I like the most about these Guardian Wisps is they like to mess around with <laughs> the forest a bit. They're kind of playful in nature. They just kind of like to have fun. But they also take their job very seriously. And then there's also, of course, you know, the hunter wisps. These help hunt food and uh, forage the forest for goods. They're a bit more thinner in nature to the others, which helps them hide and sneak amongst the foliage. They're able to uh, blend into their environments very easily, and they're much more stealthier than the guardians. And they're also used for means of reconnaissance, too. And then, of course, like I said earlier, there's Luminescent. They are the protectors of the night. They're nocturnal. And they help guard their kind in the forest during uh, the night from any impending threats that may loom in the shadow. And they actually have glowing fur that helps them blend into the flora and the fauna of the night. Well, they have a high magical ability and they levitate or mimic other night flora for blending purposes. All right. Um, so besides the illumination of the um, uh, the one ranking, is there any other like physical difference? Any other attributes that one might have over the other? Mm -hmm. So the luminescence, they're able to blend into the nighttime environment because in this world, they have. Um, Similar to like, you know, I draw inspiration from things a lot. <laughs> they have a glowing fauna and flora. Um, then, of course, you've got the guardians. They're a bit more uh, physical in nature. They're a tiny bit larger in build. Their tails are a lot stronger. Their claws are a lot thicker um, than most. Then you've got your healer wisps. These are a bit smaller and they're... They're a lot more similar to the fur texture of the um, royal wisp, which is Rhea. She's my character. And they have longer fur, so help 
make the younglings a bit more, you know, calm in nature. Um, they also have higher magical ability to calm others down. They're basically the nurturers. And then, of course, you've got your hunter wisps. They're thinner in nature. They run around. They're quicker. And they're a bit more slinky in nature. Kind of similar to, like, a... a uh, a ferret. They can run around and slink a lot too, if need be. Long boys, huh? A yeah, little bit. They're a little bit longer, actually. Much, but um, all of their heights. You know, they have the height limit, which is six inches, but they do vary in size. They can be a little bit shorter, or even there are a couple cases where they're slightly taller. And a lot of those range around the uh, hunter and the uh, guardian wisp. Um, like the healer wisps, they're slightly shorter in nature. It's not always that case. And within the species itself, some have two claws. Some can have three claws. Uh, like you saw our friend, uh, I don't know if she's shown you yet, but Rainbow, she made her own wisp and she's only got two claws. I did see that. Uh, what type of wisp yeah. did she make? I don't remember. She made a flora wisp. Okay. So her character, from what she was telling me, is uh, a lot more based off of succulents. And a lot of the fauna in our in this world had you know, similar fauna and flora to that of the real life. You know, there's different types of succulents, flowers, um, carnivorous plants. Plants are a thing in this world, too. And there's even some um, sentient plants, too. Okay, uh, so another question. Um, how does a wispin get put into one of the rankings? Are they born into that ranking, or do they kind of develop their abilities over time and like they reach a rite of passage that puts them into something or is there like a sorting hat kind of thing that tells you yeah so there's a little bit of everything actually um when a wispin is born they're typically called a youngling and the younglings that have a higher magical are given a pre-ranking prerequisite basically and and they can work to build their magical ability to become a more luminescent or healer. Or they can even go around the right that they prefer. Um, the Royal Wisp Rhea, when she notices a higher magical ability, she'll pre-rank them and she'll say hey to the parents. You know, they have a high magical ability. If you wish, If they wish to build upon this, they can. Or they can wait for the annual... Uh, rite of passage and the rite of passage typically happens around the same season as mating season <laughs> and for the ones that want to be guardian with they have this challenge where they run around and have to basically quote quote attack the foes and the foes are typically played by the elders uh the elder wisdoms who you know play the role of vixens we will get on to talk about them later on or even other threats and their goal is to basically attack and mark them and when the younger wispins mark them it shows that they're able to be brave enough to attack them and have the ability to attack them in the right way um 
when they when the um hunters are decided they have to go through a rite of passage where they have to be more stealthy in nature they have to make sure that they're taking things seriously and calmly through a educated and tactical approach so they're tested upon that um when healers want to be healers they go through a rite of passage of basically caring for the more recent younglings the younger ones for an entire week or in their time an entire week uh, and then they base them off of that they get trained by other healers to build upon their magical reaches and a lot of the luminescence are actually born within the same ranking just because they already have that glowing aspect to them that there are rare occasions where albino um luminescence are born and those are actually among the high rankings of the royal guard which are again the guardian wisps and technically you're an albino luminescent there was something that i was trying to work through with you and uh, Rezzy's character, Luna. And, and since you both have high magical abilities through everything that I was thinking through, it just made a bit more sense for you to also be a luminescent with her. But albino luminescent are able to help the day uh, function, which is why your character is able to help the moon, the uh, sunrise. Okay. Um. So another... I guess, kind of to follow up into that, let's say a Wisping goes through the Rite of Passage and then somewhere down the line they are like, oh, I don't necessarily want to be a hunter anymore. I'd rather care for the young. Is is there any way they can change ranks or is it once you're there, you're there? Oh, no, they can change ranks. Um, They would just be more of a caretaker uh, in a literal sense, since they don't exactly have a high magical ability. They can start to work upon building up their magical ability because each Wispin does have a bit of magic in them. Um, They just may not be able to do a lot more of the uh, physical taxing healing uh, aspects, you know, like growing back a tail or healing a major wound or anything like that. Um, and a lot of times, those are the ones that are predominantly able to care for the younglings. Okay. Um, what is the typical lifespan of a Wispin? So, yeah, that's actually something I was thinking about recently. Um, so, in the average span of, say, a dog's lifespan, they have anywhere from 10 to even 25, sometimes even 30 years. Uh, and that's typically about where I was thinking of making the, uh, the Wispin's lifespan go. So they can live typically about 5 to 15 years. The ones with the more higher magical abilities do have a bit of a quote-quote um, longevity to their life. So they're able to live quite a lot longer. Rhea is actually one of those elders, and she has been alive for about 45 years. And and along with your characters, they've been alive for about 30. So they can live quite a long time. 
got those higher magical abilities. Okay, so typically, you know, the more powerful Wispin, the longer they can live, the higher magical mm-hmm. ability. Um, where do they draw this magical ability from? Is it something that's within them, or do they draw it from the nature and the world around them? Yes, they actually do draw it from the nature around them. So, which is why the major th- threats are taken so seriously, like the Vix, they're taken extremely seriously. Because they do kill <laughs> the forest. So if there's not much forest left within, then there's not a lot of magic left within the wisps themselves. Okay. Uh, is there anything that makes the forest itself inherently magical? Is there like some sort of crystal hidden somewhere in the forest? Or is it just um, a regular forest that they just kind of draw divine nature from yes um there is quite a few places where a lot of the magic does uh remain there are crystals underneath the ground where there's different sorts of caves and there's where the wispins predominantly live there is a big magical tree (laughs) i know it's 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 a bit of a uh you know typical but there is a big tree where a lot of the Wispins reside, like Rhea and the Royal Guard. And within that tree, at the very base, there is a giant crystal. And within that crystal, that's where they have a lot of their like mating seats and uh, their dances and stuff like that. And a lot of the Rite to Passage happens near that crystal. Um, and the main goals of the Wispins is to help protect crystals and where whatever magical fauna there is there's a couple trees there's a couple um lakes that are magical in nature they've just got to try and protect these areas that have my high magical content okay so so the crystals are kind of the center of the community you know do all of your festivals your festivities anything important is typically done near one of the crystals yes uh, what is their living situation like? Do they live in the tree? Do they live in burrows underneath of it? Do they live uh, like in huts on top of the soil? So, yes. Um, the main royal guard, along with Rhea, they live inside of the tree because they're the more magical creatures and they're able to help protect the tree. Then there are also little living states where a lot of the, like, the families live in, typically that are hut-like in nature made from the foliage and stuff like that. And then there are also the luminescence. They actually live underground where there is a cave with a lot of the crystals uh, basically helping light the way since they're more nocturnal in nature and they don't want to, they're not always out above ground where the sun is. Um, And there are like living stays in other trees around this area where a lot of them do stay in, like little huts and canopies and stuff like that too okay um what about uh their kind of technology level are they very basic you know just basic stick and stone tools or do they have access to like have they figured out how to make metal steel copper anything like that and like clothing do they wear just like loincloths full clothing or are they just like bare fur they a lot of the time they are pretty uh, 
I don't want to say prehistoric, but they've found out ways to make the weapons from crystals, and they're able to use the magical abilities of these crystals to enhance their magical ability to be able to fire, you know, like lasers or, you know, quote, quote, lasers and stuff like that. Um, a lot of the time, they do have flowing cloths. They can wear um, clothes, you know, again, quote, quote, they can make their own examples of clothing, like skirts, dresses, but they're very, um, what's the word I'm trying to look for? I don't want to say like rural, but they're a bit more prehistoric. You can kind of tell that they're made. Yeah, primitive. Okay. They're, you can kind of tell that it's just made from little crystal beads and grass and flowers and stuff like that. Cloth that they've made from their own, you know, from their own shedding and stuff like that, too. Then they're also able to take wool and stuff from the creatures around them and make clothes and blankets and stuff like that. So they're not exactly, you know, completely primitive, but they don't exactly, you know, have MP3s and iPods and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, so they do make a lot of, like, beddings, clothing. They can make stuff similar to goggles and glasses out of sh uh, basically shaving the crystals so far thin that they're able see through that um and a lot of the time you'll see a lot of like guardians and luminescent working together along with healers and i'm still tempted to create another sub ranking that are more of the brainiacs <laughs> i'm not too sure if i'll go that far yet okay kind but, of like the scientists of the community of. yeah it's okay. definitely something i'm thinking of or at least maybe just a whole bunch of the you know, sub-rankings working together to create, you know, the, the brainiacs of the group. Alright, so earlier you had mentioned a lot of Wispins that have a greater magical ability than others. Does that create any um, drama or kind of disconnect or issues yes. within the Wispin community? Yes, it does. <laughs> so... Something I've always found makes that makes a species great is a bit of drama within them. You know, there's the sunshine and rainbows within something that has such, I don't want to say social rankings, but they are technically social ranking. A lot of the ones that uh, have less magical abilities, sometimes they do tend to be a bit more jealous. Um, there have even been a couple outcasted because of such. Um, and there's going to be a couple characters. With these the species, there is actually a story that I'm making along with it. Um, and one of the characters, I won't say their name yet because it's going to be a bit of a whoa moment. But um, he was actually outcasted for being so jealous of one of the main characters um that he eventually tried to assassinate them and he, he was banished along with his follow along with you know his following that had been across the way with him and there's a bit of drama between all of them there have been a couple fights there have been you know outrankings and a lot of outcastings to others 
a lot of the time they're able to work out with others and make it a bit more, you know, helpful towards them with having them be more helpful towards the group, allowing them to go on a couple excursions to get ideas. And a lot of the time, the drama is just set forth of how they were raised and how jealous they've become. But other than that, there's not too terribly much, but there has been quite a bit. Okay, that's good to know. A little bit of diversity, a little bit of this and that is always nice to have. Um, now, you had mentioned that there are a few wisps that kind of tried attacking the others. Is that where the uh, the Vexens or Vixens come in? So, yes. So, originally, um, when I was creating the species, I had just made Rhea and then a couple others like uh, a couple other just sub little things while I was spitballing everything. And I'd come across the issue of, well, how can there be this species if there's no king? And basically what happened to the king uh, a long time ago, they had this extremely prosperous time. Him and Rhea were very young. I haven't quite spitballed a name for him quite yet. But um, they had basically made this prosperous area. And upon one of his own personal hunting excursions, because he liked to go hunting just to broaden his views of the forest, see if there's any other threats and stuff like that, he eventually had come across this area where there was a lake of flux. And in this world, there's a toxin called flux. And flux is just all around bad. It's basically negative energy, negative magic, and it prospers off of the negative emotions and energy that the force does provide. Because it, it does, there is negative when there comes to magic and, you know, creating stuff and stuff like that. And he was actually ambushed by another species. And he fell into the river of flux. Well, when falling into this river of this lake, sorry, not river, this lake of flux, it had changed him. It had stretched him out, making his canonical height from about six inches to almost double that size. Stretched out his limbs. It basically mutilated his body. Um, it darkened his fur. It made his fur patchy in nature and just basically made him a hell creature. <laughs> uh, his original design was more monstrous in appearance, but I've recently deemed it down so you could kind of tell it's just a wisp gone horribly wrong. <laughs> um, fortunately, though, he wasn't quite aware of what had happened. So he had gone back to his home. And upon reaching the outskirts of his home, he had seen a group of healers and a couple younglings. The healers didn't know what he was, so they attempted to protect the younglings. And unfortunately, when a vixen has so much of a high magical content, when they hurt another wispin or attack them, they can kill them very easily and can even turn them. Well, he had accidentally killed them, and he didn't know exactly why or how he had. 
and upon touching a youngling who doesn't have a lot of magical content and they're very weak he had killed one of his most prosperous younglings that was in the group that he had grown attached to it was one of his younglings that he eventually wanted to rise up in the ranks with him basically almost crowning him the next uh, lord and upon realizing that he had just killed him something in him snapped with recognition of what he was and basically belted out this giant screech and what the other youngling took the chance and ran <laughs> and warned the others uh, and upon Rhea hearing this she rushed out to him didn't know it was him quite at first until he looked at it and she just knew so upon that she eventually had to banish him uh, rushing him out with magic basically making a barrier of this little area that she could uh, he grew to resent them because he thought that he had been betrayed and upon that he basically with all of this negative flux affecting him he vowed to kill the wisps so when he left each time a little hunting excursion would happen he would basically trap a couple of them and convert them and that's where a lot of the jealous ones and the angry ones or the pre-banished ones come into fruition because they were a lot more easier to trick and to convert so he could make his army stronger and that is one of the main components of this world is that there's technically a war going on between the vixens and the wispens okay um, that's, that's really, really interesting. So, the Vixens, are they able to influence the other fauna and flora around them, or can they only, uh, pass along that flux of that bad influence to another Wispin? Oh, yeah, no, they are very able to pass along the flux, and they're very, very able to kill whatever they deem killable they're able to convert whatever they want to convert there are even a few of them that have <laughs> converted enough of the fauna that they're able to ride them and control them uh, so like i said earlier the flux can kill the flora and the fauna and if enough of this is hurt or injured or killed the wisps do lose their magical abilities that's why it's so important that the Wisps get a control over this. Otherwise, the whole forest is basically doomed. Now, is there any way for a Vixen to become a Wispin again? Like, if they're exposed to enough of that uh, positive energy from a crystal, are they able to, you know, kind of lose that flux? Is there any way to get rid of what they have become? Yes. So, one of the more um, non-ethical things that Rhea has done because she's not exactly you know the ray of sunshine <laughs> in this area she has to do whatever is necessary to protect her kind um, she had caught a couple of, of the vixens um, two of them didn't survive in this and I'll expand more on that when I get into the story basis but um she was able to convert one. It took a very long process, and basically what it had done 
to get this is they had to basically shave crystals down to a powder and then mix it into a liquid or a paste. And they had to force the vixen to eat it. <laughs> and upon that, the healers along with Rhea were able to gather to basically force the flux out of the body. Unfortunately, though, it does basically strip this Wispin of its magical abilities. You know, they're still able to do everything that they need to do. They just no longer have magical abilities. And it unfortunately does make their lifespan a bit shorter. And it can make them sterile. So they're currently very trying to push a solution for the Flux without damaging the Wisp so much that they can't prolong their species. Alright, um, so when these Vixens do get changed back into a Wispin, is there, is there any ill intent or ill will... Uh, from the Wispin community, like, are they typically still shunned, or is all understood and kind of forgiven? Um, it's kind of a mixture of both. There are some, especially along the um, newer or the younger types, that don't quite understand a lot of it, and that's mostly due to the elders and you know the royal guard and higher ranks, not trying to force the Wispins under a panic. And it's just basically due to miscommunication, trying to keep everything on the down low, <laughs> especially for the younger Wisps. Um, but most of the time, after a little bit of, you know, reinforcement and even uh, acknowledgement, they do tend to let them back in. However, it is a bit of a rocky path. There is a bit of shunning for a while. Um, and some of them they do get a little bit violent towards. And that's where the group was. Uh, the group earlier that I had mentioned was banished because they had tried to attack Ray and her uh, people that were working with her for trying to bring these evil creatures in their eyes back into their species. All right. Um, I think that's all of the questions I have about the uh, lore and the species themselves. How um, how did you go about creating these species? What made you want to create one? Um, so when I was originally creating or even spitballing, it just event it had started off as a little sketch, and then. From that sketch, I was just showing my friends. Like when you when you show and create a species to yourself, you're not really sure where to go with it. So you always, when you create a species, you just want to show people, show your friends that are close to you first. Show uh, people who have seen other species or even other aspects of lore, and have them give you bits and pieces of knowledge because. Yes, you can make something your own, but if you don't see other people, um, their intent or even their criticisms in positive light, you could very well make something that's not going to become something other than basically a fairy tale for your own mind. Um, so when I was originally creating the species, I had brought it up with Castello and Rezzy. Um, I brought a couple of my mod staff 
on furry lovings, uh, everything furry, and even at the time, furry field universe where Astrid is located. Um, and with all of them coming together, it basically, I had asked them, should I continue to broaden this? You know, I think I have something. And I took little bits and pieces of everything that they said and just built upon those. There were some things, you know, I as a creator didn't want to continue with. And I basically, you know, built around that. And then there are a lot of things that a lot of people had that I just thought was genius. And I built further into that, you know. And a lot of with creating a species wouldn't be the way that it is without these people's So always, always, for my own experience and my own opinion, if you're going to make a species that is open or semi-open or especially closed, have them within the story if they wish to be within it. Or you can do what I did and just force a character on to cast at it. <laughs> right, right. I, I remember that. Hey, can you make my girlfriend one of these? She really loves them. Well, you're getting one too because you're adorable. Okay. <laughs> and now it's my favorite character, pretty much. Yeah, it's... When... when my best advice when you're in a species is go with your idea build it, fix it, <laughs> whatever needs fixed, and then show it. If you show it, especially if you're trying to go as deep with a story with it, similarly to, you know, Dutch Angel Dragons or even Wicker Beasts, you have to be able to show it and take criticism as best you can. Sometimes it's a bit hard. There are a couple things where some of my mod members had said that it, it, it did kind of hurt, you know. I don't have too much art of my character, Rhea, whereas, you know, a couple people have a couple suits. But try not to take things like that in a negative light. Take it as, okay, so I need to build this more. Um, similarly with the original name, a lot of people had a lot of issues with seeing them as a completely open species as wisps and you know they don't need to credit and all of it. just take it as a piece that you need to expand upon and work with right right and it it is a shame that you know since you're so busy with art commissions and everything that you're not able to have as much artwork of your own species as you want to but i i would hope that seeing others enjoy your species gives you some sort of fulfillment it does it's it's very great (laughs) it's a lot of fun um what about i don't think we mentioned yet uh i know you have some do's and don'ts for the wispins what uh what are they oh yes yes um let me pull this back up and go back i know no (laughs) wings is one of them yes so there aren't very many uh rules to them there are just a couple of them. Um, they typically can't be too much taller than their canonical height of six inches. Um, you know, there's just like with normal people, the average height, you know, sometimes you're going to get a five foot four. You know, I'm not too prone to mind that. It's, you know, if I'm going to have a 6.6 inch wisp, it's not typically a big deal. Um, they cannot fly. They can only merely levitate slightly, and pretty much only the high-ranking 
extremely high magical abilities can only do this. Um, and expanding on the magical abilities, there aren't very many wisps, and this is going to be a canon thing, um, that have more magic than the royal wisps. Um, this is just to help keep the rankings as a thing, and again, a reason for it. If there are people that want to have high-ranking wisps, I don't mind it. Um, I do request that you either message me or even tweet me about it, just so I can understand where it's going with the story. Um, but especially if, when I go further along with putting the story with pictures and writing and everything. But for now, it's not it's not too much of a big deal. If you want a high-ranking wisp, just message me. I'm pretty open to it. I don't mind it. Um, one of the major rules I have for a don't is no rainbows. No, no, no rainbows at all. <laughs> I don't mind if magical have a bit of a rainbow hue. That's, that's fine. But no rainbows. These are a bit more mythological for a reason. Um, and I'm sorry, guys. It just, in my opinion, for my own speech, they just look tacky. There is one in existence, and it was a commission that I had done um, while I was still expanding upon the story. I don't mind that they have it, but however, in my own words, and this is no hate on them, no call out, I don't mind that they have it, but via the story, they are not canon. They will not be canon, and they will never be canon. <laughs> Um, they can't talk. They can only tick and click. Um, however, when they're in their own species, it, it just like they're talking like you and me, you know, very similarly to the Dutch angel dragons, or even, uh, I heard there's a couple wicker beasts that do this in a couple other species. Um, they can't have more than three toes. They can have legs. Um, they can have one toe. However, um, it does kind of go against the anatomy because the reason why they have the three toes is it's very similar to bird feet. So they can grasp and, you know, climb and stuff like that. Um, and they can't have more than four claws on their frontal paws. Um, basically, the foremost claw acts as the thumb and the others as the other fingers. Um other than that, there is no UV glowing designs other than for the luminescence. Um, and the reason why is because it's only the luminescence that can glow in dark environments. And of course, you know, Sol uh, Castello had brought this up to me. If it's on a suit, and especially one as bright as his, I you can't avoid, you know, the UV glow on suits, especially at a rave. I don't, don't mind that. It's just um, for art and the story. If they're not luminescent, they typically don't glow. And the reason why is because there's a t uh, an actual enzyme in their fur that allows them to glow that is similar to the enzymes in the actual flora of the forest that allows them to. It's just, again, reasons why they exist for a reason. Um, another thing for the don't, and this is pretty much the last thing, 
there is no product placement on these wisps or the creatures or the fauna or anything like that. Just because this is its own world that is separated from the human world. Um, so things like no weed, no Coca-Cola, you know, I don't know, lotion placements and stuff like that. No commercializing. It, it, yeah. Just to kind of keep it separated. Um, I don't mind if people are in suit at like conventions and they're just like, this is a great, t great flavor of Coke taste here. You know, I don't mind that, that stuff just for like the actual canon and things, just no, no product placements just to kind of keep it, you know, within its own mystical world. Um, as far as the do's, I did lean back a lot between, again, this is taking you can have almost any design. I don't really mind the designs. If you want an element, I don't mind it. Um, just because it allows you guys more creativity. The only thing that I request is just try to keep it within their rankings. Um, that's the only thing I really ask for that. Um, so, of course, you know, no no luminescent has, like, fire or anything like that or something. I don't know. Uh, if you have any questions about that, that you can always DM me and ask me questions about it. Nine times out of ten, I'm not find it. Um, wisps do have neck floofs, and even male wisps can have neck floofs. Um, it's just the female wisps have longer floofs, and this is to help hide their mammary glands, or basically their nipples. <laughs> um with the anatomy for the females, they can't have... This is why, again, it's longer to help cover those and protect those. Other than that, um, just be creative. Um, try, try to be creative with it. I like to see my species in a creative aspect. Um, they can have longer fur. However, the one with the longest fur is, again, Rhea. Um, and the longer fur rankings which would be the uh, healers but i don't mind if you have longer fur that's not typically a thing that i mind and then other than that that's pretty much it for the dues just basically be creative and try to keep some of the rules in mind if okay. you have any questions just ask all right so as of right now are they considered uh open semi-open or closed species so um i want to say that they're semi-open um, anyone can make a wisp. Um, they are free to make, and I'm still in the process of finishing off the open species. Um, community base. Yeah, community base. The only thing that I ask, uh, and this is something that me, Castello, and Rezzy were talking about, is if you're going to have a high-ranking wisp or... Even for now, until it becomes a wider basis, I do ask that you guys either keep in contact via a tweet tagging me in it or something like that when you do make a wisp. So I can credit it as them being an actual wisp of movies. Other than that, anyone can make it. Just keep in contact with me as best as you can. That way I can appoint that they are a wisp and I know that you're not taking my species because this is my species. <laughs> Other than that, that's pretty much it. 
Now, have you thought of doing it similar to the way that protogens and primogens are done, where, like, if you want um, a royal wisp or one of the high-ranking ones, you know, you auction you auction it off, or there's, like, a 5 or $10 purchase fee. Yes. So, there are, um, there will be auctions for specific high-ranking um, members, um, the ones that have the most story, those will be higher a- in price just because they will be an actual member of the story. I'm not sure if I will auction these characters off right away, mind you, uh, until the story is either done or pretty close to being done, just because I want to keep it canon with what's going on. But... Higher ranking that are not exactly in the story or stuff like that. I will be making my own. Or you can even pay me. Uh, and that'll probably just be $10, $15 until they become more popular or something like that. Uh, where basically you give me a personality, you give me a rank type that you'd like. Or you can say, hey, these are just the colors I want. Go all out. Um, but other than that, you can create your own. However... If you do create your own and you do want it to be a higher ranking, you I do highly recommend you message me. That way, again, I can appoint that they are part of that and they are a high ranking. Um, and when I do this, I will have my own stamp of approval that I'll have you either send me the JPEG or PDF file and I will stamp it on your actual character, verifying it myself. Um, and that'll just be what I do for for now big where I just <laughs> all right so we uh we have a little bit of time left not too much but do you want to talk about your artwork at all oh yes so um I do take commissions um if you would like I can post this in the podcast chat later on to after the cast is over but my commissions currently are open I do have a couple um sales that'll be going on um, I may close them here shortly just so I can take a break and uh, catch up on my own personal art. But um, you guys can reach me out at my Twitter. I'll link it in the below, as well as Amino and even Instagram as well. Um, and I'm still building up my Fur Affinity account. I'm one of those, those noobs who hasn't got their uh, Fur Affinity set up yet. <laughs> but um, yeah, I do take commissions um and i don't know what else you want me to say about my art <laughs> i do not say for work uh-huh. <laughs> i do all of the pro it's pretty much my main seller is my porn <laughs> <laughs> everybody yeah, loves the porn yeah i do a lot of i do a lot of prom um there are a couple kinks i don't do uh i don't know if i'll mention it here on this podcast we may end up saving that for a more or not safer work later on or something like that. But if you guys have any questions, you can message me on my Twitter. It's just Pink Roost Studios for my normal one or Pink Roost Studios not safe for work. Um, I do human art. I do furry art. Uh, there have been a couple pieces where I've been commissioned just to abstract um, designer pieces for like a pillowcase. I've been commissioned for YouTube icons and Twitter icons, Instagram icons. I do pretty much whatever you guys want. I'm your little, I'm your little art pet. 
<laughs> All right. Was that Rizzy in the background? No, that that was Decker. That was the dog. Oh, I just heard it. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> he just yawned. He laid down, stretched, and yawned. Oh, pretty pupper dog. Yeah. All right. Is there uh, is there anything you want to say to any of the viewers or not viewers, but watchers, listeners, whatever they are? Um, if you are new to the furry fandom or a friend of Castellos who's trying to do art in any way, shape, or form, or even just get your name out there, um, broaden your expanses. Seriously, go on Twitter, go on podcast, Discord, shout yourself out, and no matter how hate, because <laughs> I, I, I do get some, <laughs> um, just keep pushing forward. You know, this life that we live is full of ups and downs. It's full of just sharp corners and turns that you will never expect. You, you know, sometimes you lose friends, sometimes more friends come along the way just keep going like especially with my own art I, for a long time i didn't have and i sold my traditional art and a lot of people liked it and now i'm back onto my digital you know you just gotta keep going you know don't feel afraid to ask people for criticism don't feel afraid to ask people what to do or you know even like i do with castello and resi not sure if sometimes I should keep my commissions open uh, just because currently I'm facing one of those things where my art half the time will only sell if I'm doing a buy one get one deal or I have to sell them for buy one get one and a quarter of the price just keep going eventually once you reach out far enough get those customers that are like hey I want a $120 commission you just gotta keep going guys um, especially those who are newer in the furry fandom, I've been seeing a lot of people tweet me and DM me about trying to get a fursona. Something that I've noticed is there are so many people that will, you know, belittle others or even quote, quote, normal about not having a fursona and being in the furry community. You don't have to have a fursona. You don't have to be amazing at and you sure as hell don't have to have a fursuit to be a part of this community. We're all in this together, dude. <laughs> but seriously, we're in this community for a reason. We love and to be a part of something. And the only way that we're going to get that acceptance and even just approval of just the communities out aren't like us or in general you just gotta be positive keep going and just have fun <laughs> i mean guys we're we're literally walking around in car so <laughs> designer carpets so there's we're just having fun just keep going with it all right that's pretty much it <laughs> all right Thank you for being on the podcast. Some nice words of encouragement to uh, finish out the show. Uh, I sat down here with uh, Mint or Pinkaroo Studios as her uh, art name goes by to talk about Wispins and their species. Uh, this I am uh, Costello or Soul Wisp, and we're signing off now. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs>